Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is Dennis Terrell of Terrell Knifeworks, and you and I are listening to the Work For It podcast, where the emphasis is on business in the workshop. You can support these guys for as little as $1 a month or $12 a year, and show your support by going to patreon.com forward slash work for it to find out more. $12 a year? That won't even buy two gallons of gasoline here in California. You might as well support these guys like I do so they can help us all work for it. You're listening to the Work For It podcast. It's Brian House in the studio with Brian Cohn of B. Cone Knives and Nick Tobin of Pickle Cutters up in America's Hat in Canada. This particular podcast, the one you're listening to right now, is about business in the workshop. We're going to bring up hard topics. We're going to bring up some easier topics and hopefully entertain you along the way. Okay. Different stages of development. I'm a little bit more advanced because I'm older. I've been doing it longer. Brian is uh, probably our earliest adopter of the full-time position of making things in his workshop and, and using that to make income and pickle somewhere in the middle. This is what you're listening to. This whole thing is designed to bring value to you. If you make things in your workshop and you want to sell them, hands down, you're going to get some value out of these shows. I am every single day pushing myself harder, digging deeper to find new and interesting ways to change my income. And here's why this all started. If you want to know the genesis of my uh, making career, I had been making things since I was as old as I can remember, eight, nine years old. My dad had a workshop in the basement. I would be down there constantly fiddling around with tools. I'm sure you've had a similar experience if you're like me. Later in life, I would just get distracted from that. I would work in the tech industry for a lot of years, start my own company, think that that was the path. I want to do this. Sat in a cubicle, worked for other people, and then eventually owned my own company, doing it for myself, in which I turned completely sour on it. I hated it. I disliked it. No one ever called me unless they had a problem. They were frustrated already. They wanted to talk to me and they wanted me to solve their problems. And I couldn't even solve my own problems. And I was asking them to pay me for this. Five staff members. I had a building, commercial building at a, a rental shop. I had all these things going on. You would look at me from the outside and think, man, that guy's got it all. He's successful. He has everything. And inside, I was a black heart wanting to die. I hated it. I fucking hated it because I wasn't on my true path. I wasn't doing the things I was designed to do. That's work with my hands and make things. Then I realized there's a whole slew of other people out there that are just like me wanting to do the exact same thing I want to do. They want to change their lives. They're sitting idle in a cubicle. They're delivering mail. They're doing something at the time that they're not really interested in, and they want to make a difference in their own life, and they want to create a side hustle that brings in some money to change their lives. Think about what $500 a month or $1,000 extra a month could do for that person. That's what I was looking for. I wanted to just make $25 a day. And then I raised it to $100 a day. I said, I want to make $100 a day. $36,500 a year would change my life. And it did. And some days I do way more business than that now. Of course, housemate has grown it's five years down the road. We do all these things and my numbers are completely different, but they're just numbers because it doesn't really fucking matter anymore to me. What matters to me now is that I keep people on this path because I have found true 
true purpose and salvation in this work. Getting my hands dirty, using my mind to create things, and then taking my time to sell that and give it to someone who loves it, who could use it in their workshop or give it as a gift or sell it to someone who's going to give it as a gift. Whatever it might be, this is the true core of all commerce. We do this together here on this podcast and we talk about it. We work through these little issues like the 50-50 rule. 50% of your job is to make it. 50% of your job is to sell it. We do this together. We learn together because my success becomes your success and a rising tide will lift all ships. I'm telling you right now, the, the people you surround yourself with, the things you listen to, the content coming in through your eyeballs, through your phone, those are the things that impact you daily. And my sole mission has been to tell you that you can do it too. I know you can because I can. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'll work harder than everybody else. I'll outwork you all. But at the same time, we got to do it smart and we got to do it together. Let's go. This is time. Let's work for it, baby. Let's go. Brian, I don't know where you are. <laughs> Am I on here by myself now? No, you're not. I don't know where Cone went. Cone just was, fell off the face of the earth yeah, in the middle like of I that. I lifted my head when you were done talking. And I was like, hey, why is it only two of us? He goes, Brian goes, this again. I can't listen to this again. Brian is on bounced. his soapbox and he's talking about this shit and I'm out of here. So uh, I, don't I don't know where we, Brian went, but. Uh, anyway, pickle. Oh, here he. Who wants to come back in here? Hold on one second. I hope so. <laughs> Did I annoy you with Dude, my rhetoric, I Brian? I don't know what's going on here. I got booted off. I don't know what happened. I kicked you off. Hmm. Oh, damn it, pickle! <laughs> I can't do that. That's but all no. right. Brian's back. That. We're the three amigos. We are the three musketeers once again. We ride again, guys. How are you this week? What are you doing in your workshops? I want to hear all about. I don't want to hear any bad stuff. I want to hear all the good stuff. I need good stuff this week. Who's Tired going of first? Negativity pickle. Tired of it. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I can fill you in on some good stuff because I had an incredible working week. Um, I finished another batch of knives. I've started another one. And um, I, I don't know if you saw this, but I had a knife dream that I made into a reality in one day. Did you guys see this? We did. Oh, I yeah. did. See, I saw this. Yes, I saw this. Yes. Yeah. So to kind of fill you guys in a little bit more, um, I I used to, especially when I first started making knives, and I'm sure you guys had the same situation when you got obsessed about things, but I used to have dreams about making knives all the time mm. when I first got in. And I would have a sketch pad on my you know, bedside table so that when I woke up, I would sketch a knife out just to put idea, you know, ideas so that when I'm making knives, I can uh, make make basically, you know, have new ideas ready at my fingertips. Well, earlier this week, I had one of those knife dreams for the first time in a long time. And. You know, I woke up from this dream and I immediately got up and I sketched it down and I went out and made it happen. But this vivid dream kind of went along the lines of I was at some sort of a show where I was standing at a table selling knives and everybody that was coming up to this table would pick up this knife design and immediately buy it. They loved it. And I was telling people, you know, when you carry this knife design, you have to have bravado. 
you have to have confidence. You have to have big dick energy. Have you guys ever heard of big dick energy? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yes, I, I have. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I actually, the term BDE was uh, created because of me, actually. I just I don't know that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something like that. Fucking wise so ass. So you look it up in the Urban Shut Dictionary, there's up, a Brian. photograph of me right next to it. Okay. Yeah, it's not safe a... for work, by the way. Just they're just saying you're a dick is what they're saying. You're a dick. Exactly. Big dick. I'm a Thank big you. dick, buddy. Okay. Yeah, so, you took the words out of my mouth. Anyway, so I'm, I'm telling these people in the dream that you have to have big dick energy to own this knife. And they were picking it up and buying them one after another after another. And I woke up and – before I woke up and have you guys ever had that feeling in a dream where you like, you know, you're dreaming, but you have a couple minutes to kind of take things in before you wake up. You guys ever get that? Or yeah, is that like just you, a me? Thing? Like you, like, you know, you're in a dream and you're kind of wandering through it going, and you're, you're cognizant of the dream itself, Yeah, but you don't wake up. Yeah. yeah you're yeah. semi-conscious. That's a good yeah, way to put so it. So I, I had a little bit of that lucid dream feel. And in that lucid dream, i I grabbed one of these knives and stared at it intently thinking, I have to remember this blade shape. I just sear this into my mind. So as soon as I wake up, I can leap out of bed and start sketching. And I just kept staring at it, kept staring at it. I woke up and it was one of those, like you wake up like, <gasps> are, are you like, getting jump every, out hold of on, bed? Hold on a second, Brian. And uh, Bri Brian, hold on one second. Oh. Stop. Yeah. Pickle, are you getting like every other word he's saying? Just every other word. Yeah. He's yeah. Cutting out yeah. Bad. You're cutting yeah. in and out bad, I, Brian. Yeah. Something's going uh, on with your internet. You need to jump off and you need to reboot everything and then jump back well, on. I'm, I, we're not picking up. Like, I can't even hear like every third word. Yeah. Like, exactly. Oh, every damn. other word was cut. All right. I'll finish the story here in off. a minute. See you guys. All right, I'm gonna switch to pickle for a minute. Don't don't rush. No worries. We're, we got this covered on this end. So, uh, no problem. No problem. We'll be uh, right here, bud. Yeah, we're right here. Uh, Nick, I, I'm curious. I noticed that you were forging out a blade, and before the show started, you were telling me that this you haven't actually like hand forged out a knife in a while. So, what? A couple things. You're making your own steels obviously and when we see that happening all the time on your reels and i'm fascinated by this because there's a couple of things i want to talk about by the way is i i i get this feeling like you just have a core understanding of how to pattern but not pattern weld but maybe forge weld steels together in layers you just get it you know, and it's like the same. I get the same idea when I listen or look at like Dennis Terrell's work where I see him doing all these different patterns where he's cutting things and, you know, cutting the steels and putting them together and they make different patterns and stuff. And it blows my mind, even though I have a core understanding of how it works. I get that part. I think I'm blown away by how you took to it so quickly and that like you don't use a pit controller, you don't yeah, anything in the forge, you just kind of you put everything in there and you make it work. And I wanted to kind of get an idea of like, you know, I didn't see a lot of failures in your process. And could you just talk a little bit about like doing that work and what it means to you and like, how, you know, how you approach it? Uh, uh, 
<laughs> Dude, I was waiting so long to do that. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Um, everything about that to me pretty much, I don't know, just kind of like Brian was mentioning before he got connectivity issues. Uh, it's it's kind of like shit I see in a dream, and that's how I wake up to understanding certain things when it comes down to making my own steel. Like I, I visualize things before I actually get onto it, and then there's obviously the community out there that is full of you know good knowledge, and even you converted me into using kerosene. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So it's just just a lot of things put together that made it that. To me, taking on it that easily was possible. You know what I'm saying? It's not just me and who I am. It's me, myself, and everybody else around me supporting what I do. And, you know, inspiration from other makers as well, too. Like, I was actually on a live the other day, and Dennis was with me. And, like, my invitation is still open to go out to his place. And, like, if I'm going to do mosaics with somebody and learn that, it's going to be with Dennis. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. he flows, he has that natural flow state with his mosaic, it seems. Like, he, the way he explains it and everything and his drawings. And, like, I'm a visual person and a hands-on person, so I need to, like, do both. And Dennis captivates me with those. Like, I, I know I would be able to learn underneath Dennis. Some makers I probably wouldn't be able to. You know what I'm saying? But myself, personally, doing what I do with these, you know, layered steels is more or less natural to me as a knife maker now you know like i started making my own steel maybe what two years ago and uh welcome back cone and uh, hey, yeah thanks, i started guys. making i started making my steel after i came back from your place i got a press the first time i touched a press was at your place so a lot of it comes down to you house like seriously like you inspired me and put that flame in me when i left your shop two years ago almost three years ago first time i pressed some damascus i was like holy shit i got home i called lawrence i was like i need a press i need it asap and within two months i was making my own steel and some of my first steel was with copper because i like the challenge you know what i'm saying and that's something else too that drives me is the challenges that come to it you know like I ain't going to invest in, like you mentioned, a PID controller, a thermal coupler, when I could challenge myself to get it right manually and naturally. You know what I'm saying? Like, blacksmiths didn't have PID controllers back in the day. <laughs> you know, they they also weren't like, they weren't forge welding copper and brass and all these other things either. No, so, but, you know, you into know, their steel. So, to be fair, no, but there was a, a copper but... age and a bronze age and all that shit, too. So, you know, they did manipulate steel at one point or these non-ferrous steels if you want to say like with fire and whatnot definitely sure. did i just think with the fact that you're welding them together and getting them to yeah. stick and then creating something out of them is just really oh, impressive yeah. to me I, I i love it i think what i what i take away from your work is how you approach things without fear you know i yeah. It, there's so few people and we see this because we make tools, right? So we get a lot of people asking us for advice and even to the point of like going to build the machines, you know, people are intimidated. Oh, I don't know how to weld or I don't know how to do this or this. And can you give me some advice? And I like to, the first step that I try to do with people. And I think this is probably where you were going with what you were saying was that I try to remove the fear 
of the whatever is going to be happening, right? So yeah. if you approach something with fear, it should be a healthy fear of tools and welders and all of that, yes. you know, like safety wise. But I think the the fear I'm talking about is approaching a project. A lot of us get stuck in our heads, me included, by the way. I mean, I have a lot of projects that I've just have set aside because I'm scared to finish them. And, uh, and I know that sounds crazy, like, okay, this is a fear thing and not so much a just procrastination. I have discovered in my life that a lot of my procrastination comes from fear, you know, and mm-hmm. I need to learn how to yep. recognize it and then accept it, recognize it, and then let it, you know, not let it dictate what I'm going to yeah, exactly. be doing, you know? And I think that's why hundred percent why I look at your work in particular it comes out very clean. Your Jeff Fader said it on the podcast I was with him on, and he said, "You know, Nick Tobin is a very underrated knife maker. His his work is super clean and and very well thought out and done." And I agree with him. And it's in you know for the small amount of time, whether it be four or five years, however long you've been doing it, you've really made some amazing transformations in your processes coming from construction, coming from, you know, the jobs that you did and then moving into this craft. I just have an enormous amount of respect for your work. And I just want you to know when I watch you work, I get inspired by you too. It's not just like, Mm -hmm. I'd like you to know that, you know, it's not just one, one sided. Yeah, appreciate that, bud. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, a lot of it has to do with what you do too, Brian. Like what you're doing for us as a community, the tools you're putting out. Um, I used the launch pads for the first time the other day. Uh, it cut my heating time on these billets. I don't know by how much, but my joint wasn't done by the time my billet was ready to press and forge weld. You know, oh, so yeah. my welds. I was like, holy shit. And it's just so efficient, you know, and that's just like everything else. The grinder is efficient, uh, not the grinder. I mean, the forge is efficient. So like, you're adding on, if you're adding efficiency to efficiency, you're just going to have a down the road, a top shelf fucking product, you know, and that's, and this is what I get to work with in my mind. And uh, it's what makes my work possible. If I had shitty equipment, it wouldn't be happening, right? Like I wouldn't forge that that uh that cleaver i was forging yesterday like that wouldn't have fit in my previous forge you know what i'm saying and the reason why i wanted a bigger forge was so i could forge bigger <laughs> and a more efficient forge just so i could save money and time and everything else because time is money right so 100 yes there's all that and then there's the the no fear uh that's something i've always told people is like i am fearless i don't have many fears i am afraid of fire and that's like one of my biggest fears is fire. And other than that, I'm not scared of much. So to take on projects that seem bigger than reality to me is not a problem. Like I could just step into it and be comfortable. I dig so I your guess- approach. I, I hope more people pay attention to your approach because approach in a lot of ways is everything. You know, how you yeah. see a project and then approach it is everything. And and that's why I wanted to bring that that up because, you know, there's not a lot of people that can successfully do the things you're doing and then come out with a finished product at the end that you're like really happy with. And so, uh, that's, that's what I'm seeing coming out of your workshop and I'm super proud to know you and call you a friend. I hope you know that I, Oh, I I know every day. I appreciate you. 
Same way, same, same both ways, man. It's definitely, like I said, I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you do for us. I, everything you've done for me is more than a lot have ever done for me. You know what I'm saying? From being a complete stranger to being, you know, top three best friends. <laughs> so, like, I don't have many friends, and I'm happy to count you guys as friends. You know, Cone as well, too. Don't don't feel left out because you had to leave and come back mid-conversation, Brian. <laughs> we love so, you, too. <laughs> you sound so, much better, by the way. You, yeah, very you do crisp. definitely sound better, yeah. Very yeah, clear. so I'm an idiot. So I I went and bought a big, long – um. Uh, what's the internet cable? The Ethernet cable. Ethernet cable. There it is. So I went and bought a big long one so that I could have better internet. I ran it. And it's been working for the last couple of weeks. And I left my Wi-Fi on. So it was uh, running off the Wi-Fi after all. So sorry, guys. Sense. But I should That's be right. back. I should be good. I, uh, off, well, not literally off subject question, but maybe Brian, I, I house could answer this for me. I don't remember well because I did do tech support for internet for a while. Um isn't like a long is is an Ethernet cable like say a USB cable? The longer the cable, you create like a resistance in the communication from one end to another. Can you I can, tell can, you from what I have experienced right here? Yeah. So I and I I understand that this is kind of all back end bullshit, but um when I was running my um off of Wi-Fi, I was eating about ten down and like five up where now that I'm running a cable, I'm well over a hundred down and well over like 20 some up. Oh, for sure. So it is way better in this situation. Yeah. Yeah, Ethernet, Ethernet cables, uh, like anything past cat five can be, uh, you know, uh, over 250 feet. I mean, they they still have a problem and still have a no loss, like zero loss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Once you get beyond 300 feet, then you're you 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 start start experience loss. And there's these, you know, these little devices that can go in between the powers, them up and whatever else. But yeah, yeah, bridges and and but uh, yeah, no, I mean, from the tech side of things, you know, when people think podcasting is easy. You know, there's like all these little it's insanely difficult to do the to do this technically and do do it well. You know, we talked a little bit about doing the video stuff. And by the way, I got a lot of feedback on that. I mentioned the video feed from for work for it. And overwhelmingly, people said they would not watch it because wow, because everybody's listening while they work. Exactly. So they're they're not in a position to where they would want to see our faces. Now the one the one thing that I think could be beneficial is to have like Jimmy does with making it. Jimmy, Dave, and um, Bob do the little clips, and I've seen this now on Clamp, and I've seen it now on um, uh, the uh, makeshift where they take the the triple swipes, you know, of them talking about something and use it in promotion. The yeah. downside is, is when you start recording video, man, the bandwidth requirement for that is even higher mm-hmm. than audio. And I don't know if I want to sacrifice the audio just to get the video clip, if that makes sense. Also, I feel oh. like I feel like all three of us are kind of in a spot where we're recording in a makeshift spot. If we were to do full video as well, I feel like we'd have to each of us put in effort in making some sort of a backdrop, some sort of an interesting something. And 
you know, I kind of like the ability to wake up and immediately record instead of, you know, setting a yeah. bunch of stuff up, you know? Well, what Brian's you, not uh, telling you is that he records the podcast in his underwear. Stark <laughs> nude. Full nudity over here, man. <laughs> Big even, dick the guys at, even the guys at the Word for It podcast, I, like they still do the video while recording so they could see each other and show each other things. But I think they stopped posting to the YouTube. Um, even Who are you uh, talking about? Uh, Hustle and Grind. Ryan and Noah. Oh, Hustle and Grind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You said and, Word uh, for It initially. Yeah. That's Did this I say podcast. Word for it? Oh, yeah, that's no, the podcast. I, sorry, I thought I was. Still, I, th- I thought I was still hosting the Hustle and Grind podcast. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. Grant, when I, I was actually, you brought up uh, the Cast podcast, uh, Clamp. I mean, what the fuck, Nick? Clamp, yeah, cast, yeah, Clamp. If you guys have not seen or listened to, yeah, this week's episode, or, or yeah, I think it came out Monday. I was on the show with them and uh, recorded an episode with them as a guest host because uh, one of their hosts were not there, so that was a great time. And uh, they do the video as well, too, like you mentioned. But, like, Grant brings it up, too. He's like, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. There's only two people that watch it. You know, like, people are yeah. aware that people aren't watching the videos of these podcasts. Like, Joe Rogan has his video feed on Spotify. How many people will listen to Joe Rogan and watch Spotify while they're working? You know what I'm saying? Like, like you said, people listen to podcasts while on the road while they're working, you know, situations like that, just to have a background noise. They're not looking for something to watch. They're looking to something to listen to. So, yeah. So I think we're going to nix that idea for now. And, you know, Hey, over time, you know, maybe it'll happen, but really the reality of it is we all have great faces for radio. And we could still, you know, promote the podcast without video clips or clip it or anything like that. You know, we could screenshot of something like I do sometimes when I'm recording here, I take a picture of the screener of myself and uh, I tag the podcast on my Instagram feed and be like podcast shenanigans, you know, but like if we have a certain subject we speak of today, well, at the end of the show, we could, you know, create a post on the work for Instagram and uh, post that, you know, telling people that beware tomorrow. This is what's up, you know, and And also our audience does a, does a great job too. The audience does a great job of, of uh, promoting and sharing yeah. and, you know, like Bobby over Reaper, like he just yep. like is constantly flooding socials with it. So, and it's easy for us to like copy and share that or, yep. you know, share it to stories. That's, so that's what I've been doing. We appreciate those guys doing that work because it's, you know, we, we get so caught up in the content side of things that the sharing sometimes becomes difficult and we forget or we, you know, so I think mm-hmm. work for it would be m- even more successful than it is. It's hugely successful. I, I can't even tell you how many people listen to this podcast. And I, I don't know 90% of them. I don't know who they are. And I appreciate you guys so much. And I get these messages and feedback from people that are from all over the world doing different types of work, saying how much we have impacted their their ability to make money, which man, this is the goal that I've always wanted. This was the thing, the the crowning achievement that I wanted to do. And it's like, now I just need to take it bigger and make it better. And you know, all of those things. So um, it, the podcast has become something I look forward to every week. I listen back to it. You know, I listen to every show so I can get these little, um, it's funny because people hear me listening to my own podcast. They're like, oh, you really do love the sound of your own voice. It's like, yeah, you know what? I'm trying to get better. 
when you yeah. listen and look at your own content, you can kind of pick up some things that may not have been so good and then change those things. It's a, an improvement thing. And of course, I love hearing my own voice. It's a buttery, uh, you know, beautiful, buttery voice I've been graced with by God. He gave me this voice and I'm sharing it with the world. But it's even more so important is the content coming out of it. I want people to hear and hear the experiences that I've had and take away the value from those experiences. And, you know, I'm not hugely, hugely successful. I mean, there's people well beyond me and well beyond what I'm capable of doing. But my intermediate success hopefully becomes your future success and so on. And we go together, together, together. And uh, so anyway, um, before all the Internet issues, Brian, you were you were talking about this dream that you had and that you wanted to create this knife. And then you were so motivated to do it. The takeaway I got from that process of you talking about this, I like the real where you were like, this might sound like marketing bullshit, but it's not. I, I what I took away from that was your excitement level yeah. for it. Not not so much the knife itself, beautiful knife. I love the knife, but your you have found something again in your workshop that you enjoy doing. Right, that's what I took away from that. Because when you do things over and over and over, they become monotonous and boring and all of that. the The thing I love about knife making, the thing I love about making in general, is that you can find these things that make you excited again, you know? And I think that's what I took away from it and hearing your voice and seeing you talk about it. It really made me happy for you. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the overall feeling of it is I love the fact that I was able to see something in my dream and by the end of the day, have two of them finished. Uh, part of that is it's, you know, a pretty simple design which will very much lead, you know, lend towards the production a bit production ability. Is that is that the proper way to say that? Um, the ability to make a shit ton of them at a lower price. Um, I'm really excited to really give it a go and see what I can make out of it. And uh, yeah, I made two posts about it, and I already have like 17 people telling me that they want to buy one. So you know, <laughs> time wow. to get my ass to work, right? Yeah, I know it was an excellent execution design, the whole thing. I love the story behind it. This is something that um, we brought up on the after show where Manny G from Parable Knives asked us a question about like, how do you build a brand? How do you like keep that flow? I don't know if you guys remember us talking about that a couple of weeks ago. And then we answered the question with, you know, you have to just keep it you have to keep it fresh and you can't yeah. just do the same things over and over and over. This work requires creativity, not just from the level of making whatever it is, but also selling it and creating content around it. And I think what you're doing, Brian, is what everyone needs to know in this space. Whenever you make something and you want to sell it, doesn't even matter what it is. You're selling refrigerators, you're selling freaking knives or spoons or whatever. You have to tell a story. Yeah. You have to get people engaged and invested in what you're doing. So Manny, yesterday, we've never seen his face, by the way. I've never seen what he, I didn't even know what he looked like. 
he did a reel with his face in it and he talked about this uh, set of knives that he's working on and the colors and all this other stuff. And it was in, it was engaging. And I went, you know, this is what it amounts to get out of your comfort zone, go off and do something different and make whatever it is, but then also utilize your, all these different pieces of creativity. Yeah. You got to dig deep. Yeah. It's going to take you some time. Yeah. The first one you make is probably going to suck and it's probably going to get boring and it's probably going to be like a hundred views or whatever. But eventually if you stick with it and you be consistent and you keep digging, you're going to find that path where people are going to get invested in your work. Remember that when people buy something from you, that is what's called breaking the ice. It's the first step, right? Everything you do after that, it gets a little easier with that one customer. We used to, I taught business classes for a long time and I would tell people it's easier to keep a customer than to get a new one. Okay. So as you get these followers on Instagram, by the way, Housemaid just reached 86,000 followers. We're 14,000 followers away from 100,000. Every single one of those people is a potential customer. Doesn't matter where they are, any part of the world. And I look at it like this. Every time I create a piece of content, I'm looking for them to become invested in me. Okay. Not my product. Okay. Product is after. Okay. I want them to invest in me personally. I want them to know who they're buying something from. Or maybe they never do. But in that case, if they were to think about something, they could recommend Housemaid to someone else. That's what I heard in your story, Brian. I heard I had a dream. I was inspired. I wanted to finish this knife. I wanted to create this thing. I, I went out to my workshop and I made it. I was I was working hard on it and I did this, this, and this. And I became an, even more invested in Brian Cohn, if that mm. makes sense. Not the mm-hmm. knife. I was invested in you. Now, if you, everything in your world could burn to the ground, your workshop, your house, your marriage, no. everything could go to the ground. But guess what? They can't take you away from you. They're going to still be invested in you. And that's what's important. We, I was having this conversation with Brent the other day. I'm like, think about all this stuff. It's just stuff, just tools and things and all the, the you know, the parts and materials that we use to create things here, it's just stuff. It can go mm-hmm. all the way. You can't take the skills I've learned. You can't take away my habits. You can't take away my fingers and all the things. Well, I mean, technically I could cut my fingers off and that would suck, but I'm just <laughs> saying, you know, we need to know, we need to understand the very core beginning of all marketing and sales is people buy things from people whom they know and whom they like. And how is that going to take place? How are you going to achieve that? Get out there, make something, show it off, show the process, share your excitement, be vulnerable, which is another word I thought of when I was watching your your reel, Brian. You're being vulnerable. You're telling Mm. the story. And people, some people are probably going to think it's fucking cheesy. That's okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) actually, that kind of leads me into (laughs) um, a question that I have for the two of you. So when I made that piece of content and I said that this is you have to have big dick energy to to use this knife or own this knife, I posted that. And a couple of minutes later, literally, my mom called me and said, Brian, <laughs> are you sure you want to do that with your business to be talking like that on the 
And, you know, it kind of made me second guess because mm. I do have a lot of people like mothers and grandmothers and people like that or other people who do not like that type of talk buying chef knives and shit like that. Long and then short. also and then the other side of things is I could hear my dad laughing his ass off on the couch because he loves <laughs> the fact that I'm calling a knife big dick energy. <laughs> See, it's like it's like my mother, dude, like my mom jumped on one of my lives. She saw one of my lives one one time and I don't think she's ever jumped on one again since then. But uh, we all know what happens on my lives, right? It's like pickle yeah, yeah, cutter yeah. stoner delight. It's just a fucking smoke show. And she's like, you shouldn't smoke in front of your customers like that and blah, blah, blah. Right. And I was like, no, this is who I am. I'm just being myself. And people could either like it or leave it. And that's all you're doing is being yourself. And if you want to call a fucking knife BDE and it'd be the acronym to Big Dick Energy, fucking do it. And the person that's not going to want to buy that knife, it's just not their knife. But here's the thing. Am I going to lose people wanting to buy chef yeah. knives or other yeah. culinary knives because they I, see BD, Big Dick Energy and all of a sudden think, eh, I don't know if this guy is for me. Most, Let's just put it this way. Most people that buy custom knives like to think they have Big Dick Energy because the first thing they do when they get that custom knife is they show it off to everybody and be like, look at what I got. You know right. what I'm saying? So they either I, have I, it or like to think they have it. I think that... Uh, you know, you, you find your customers. I've had certain people buy things from me, you know, tooling, some a couple customers bought like everything I sell, right? Every single thing that we make, they buy. Sure. And then well, the one time this guy was like, Oh, I want to listen to your podcast. He's an older guy. And I just sent him the link. I was like, Here's the podcast. And then I get like an hour later, I get a message and it's like, yeah, I can't listen to this. And I'm just like, okay. And I'm like, then don't. I don't know what you He's like, I'm super surprised that you're this candid and, you know, the expletives and all this stuff. And I'm just like, if you can't see through that, you can't open your mind through all of that, those words that I'm here, that I'm saying, and some of the jokes that we're telling and some of the things, then, then again, you, you should like examine, you know, you've got these glasses on over the time and I get it. It's different generations. I, lots of people have, uh, they were raised in a different way. And I get that. Old school. Uh, here's the thing. I, I live and work in the real world and I, and I, this is who I really am. And yeah, the guy that uses the F word and says all the, the jokes that are kind of, uh, immature and has a, um, a junior high sense of humor is the same guy who engineers some of the best tools in the world. So right. you should think about the fact that you have been in a bubble for a while and that certain things are going to offend you, quote unquote, and those things might be hindering your ability to really pull the data out of what we're saying here. Because if you think that the world is all shiny, polished, rainbows, you know, uh, people going to church and doing all this stuff. And yeah, it's really not. And unfortunately for you, you, you you've, it's, it's a you problem. It's not a me problem. Yeah, and exactly. those people that are that will like some people say, I would buy your stuff, but I just I disagree with the things you're saying, you know, whatever it might be. And I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't buy my stuff, though. See, you're 
you're you're telling me this because you want me to change and you think that because I hear you saying you're not going to spend money with my company that I will change and that's like the easiest way for you to get to manipulate someone into mm. doing something they want them to do and under and I, here's what I tell people and I go look I get it that you you don't like those words and you don't like that type of humor then don't listen to it and don't be a part of it but understand that I'm not going to change who I am just to get you to spend some money with my company and here's the here's the reason why because I am true to myself and I have to be true yes. to all the other customers all the other people who love the work I do every day they love the work and they would much rather me be a real human than put on a mask and fake myself and fakery and use fakery and and smoke and mirrors just so you'll pull your wallet out and spend money with my company because that is actually how business has been done for hundreds and hundreds of years people have compromised who they are to sell you something and that in my opinion is kind of a negative transaction mm. i would much rather the you know i might lose money in doing these those things or i might might make more money i don't know i always use howard stern as this example the guy's making half a billion dollars a year on radio being one of the crudest and most junior high guys on the planet the guy uses every thing i mean he has done it all if you know who howard stern is and literally the masses flood and listen into him and want to hear what he's going to say next and want to see what he's going to do next and that tells me that there's a whole bunch of real people in the world. They are the yeah. masses, the ones that are canceling this then and that. Yep. And they're on both sides, by the way. You can be far left and super liberal and you can be far right and super conservative. And there's cancel cancel culture on both sides. And I'm I'm here to tell you that the majority is in the middle. So just remember that the majority is in the middle. They're the they're the people who are the real, you know, oil in the machine and so i that's when i learned like later down the road like i'm not going to change who i am i'm not going to cover up who no. i am just because someone tells me that they don't like it now are you guys interested in hearing the i guess it would kind of be a compromise that i came up with yeah sure so i went into my analytics and on instagram and on well tiktok is kind of a wash but mostly on instagram I have like a 90 plus percent followers that are male and on Facebook, it's about 50, 50. So what I decided after looking at my analytics with this big dick energy idea is on Instagram and on uh, TikTok and other platforms, um, I decided to keep the big dick energy. I'd say big dick energy, whatever, because the vast majority of the people that are watching it and also the I'm guessing almost 100% of the people that would be interested in this design of a knife is the type of people that would love that slightly juvenile humor, whatever. Now, on Facebook, because I have about a 50-50, you know, the people that know what Big Dick Energy and the people who think that's funny will see BDE and already know what that means because that's been in the, you know, the in the, how do you say it, the um, like been, urban dictionary kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, urban dictionary. It's people have been saying that for a while now. 
But on Facebook, I've been calling it Big Durable Edge or Big Dream Energy. <laughs> so that I like now, Big Durable Edge. That's really now good. Now you have, you know, the the people mostly I mean, if I'm for the people who have messaged me saying, hey, I don't are you sure you want to do that? You know, it's mostly older people or people who are just not into, you know, not liking the fact that I'm saying big dick on on my, you know, feed. Those people don't know what BDE is. And also, they're probably not going to be interested in this design, but it's still just a little bit like the people who know are going to know and think that it's hilarious. So what do, what do you guys oh, think of sure. that tact? I, I I think it's a wise move because you got to know what your way. audience is. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say because I I've done that check myself, and uh, yes, I do have a, a higher female following on Facebook compared to Instagram. That's for sure, and I'm sure some females on Insta- I mean Facebook find me disgusting as a human being and unfollow me and all that shit, which is fine. Those aren't my people. You know, and it all comes down to that. Like, and it, it depends. It depends on how you take it too. You know, you could be a more sensitive person to these types of situations where you do care what people think about you and what you're saying and doing. You know, to whereas I give zero fucks. You know, and it's always right. been like that. Right. Like since a young age. Like I, I sat a school bus driver right underneath the fucking steering wheel because I didn't give two shits what he thought about what I did. And he's not my father, so he has no reason giving me discipline. So I, I, you know, he he poked me on the chest, and I put both hands on his shoulders, and I shoved him underneath his fucking driving wheel, his steering wheel, and I walked out of the bus because I didn't give a fuck, and I'm still <laughs> that way today. So, Yeesh. yeah, no, that's just who I am, and you either like it or take it, you know. And and if I have something to say, I'll be brutally honest. Like you were on my live sure. the other day, you asked me what I thought about the knife. I told you. You know, and it's yeah. not that I hate the knife or anything, but there's there's minor things that could be done better to make it a better looking knife. I'm not saying it's a bad knife, but you know, it could be cleaned up. Oh, a bit. speaking of, the, uh, is this the first podcast where you've had that knife? Yes. So what do you think? Yes, it has. I I, um, I, I, I know <laughs> we've we've talked about the things that we that I can do different. I've already put things in place to fix those problems. Yeah, and I'm, we're not even going to bring that up on the show. What I'm going to bring up is that it was fucking hilarious. The like novelty side of everything is just fucking funny as fuck. Uh, he sent me a birthday card with that too, and like mm-hmm. he couldn't find a pickle birthday card obviously, so he he took green masking tape and wrote pickle and like more green masking tape and wrote pickle there too and whatever. And then there was a, a, the green Sharpie that he used, he even included that in there. So he went out of his way to buy a green Sharpie. And on top of that, there was green wrapping paper that the knife was neatly wrapped in like a lot of wraps. And inside of all that wrapping, there was a fucking big handful of goddamn green glitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, green fucking glitter all over the fucking place. And if I remember well, he had told me that there was green glitter in there, and I totally I forgot. Yeah, I love that the knife looks like it's Damascus when you don't really know face. what it's your face. That is brilliant. Times no, no, like 10. I said, like, like the novelty side of everything is just fucking hilarious, and it's it's in my shop on my board, and it's it's there, and it's gonna open up things and whatever. And you, and you I, don't. It's, it's right like there. a Warshock test. Like you don't see it until he turns it 
like yeah. in the video on the reel. Like you, t- he yeah. turns it so it's your face, and you're like, oh my god, it's his. Because I showed my friend but- the other day too, and I like the movement of it actually like clears out the picture, and he was looking at it funny, and then I just moved it a little bit, and then he started laughing. You know, he's like, holy fuck, that's your <laughs> face. I was like, yeah, it's <laughs> the best. And uh, you know that was a part of that was that was the first thing that I ever etched on the X tool. So I, I put in and I put it in, I masked it off so that it wouldn't etch on places that I didn't want it to etch. And, um, it was almost an hour long etch. Not, I had no idea it was going to be that long, but, (laughs) and the X tool program doesn't tell you how much longer the etch has. So I put it in there and like, Five minutes in, I look and it's like, oh, wow, this looks really cool. And then 10 minutes in, it's like, oh, my God, this looks awful. I should stop it. And then 20 minutes in, it's back to cool. And 30 minutes in, it's, oh, my God, I should stop. I was just going back and forth and back and forth of this is the coolest thing to this looks like absolute dog shit. And I feel like it ended on a cool note. So and, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with spe- that. Speaking of that knife and all that, where where'd you get that steel? Uh, oh, Maritime Knife Supply. For those of you who need to get all of your um, knife making needs, go over to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com or .ca. I can tell you from experience, they are absolutely fantastic about getting things shipped. I ordered things just, I think it was five days ago, and it's out for delivery right this very second. So Lawrence Lake is super, super quick about getting the things you need into a box and out the door and into the country as quickly as humanly possible. So go over to Maritime Knife Supply for your steel, your um, handle materials, your tools, your supplies, everything you could possibly need. And if you go over to Baker Forge and Tool, if you want to bring things up to the absolute next level, go to BakerForge.com and check out all of the crazy Damascus that he's been working on. Uh, Baker and the boys are just absolutely, they're, they're wizards in that shop making just the craziest designs into the steel, whether he's got QMI in it, um, all of the, hold on, somebody else, you guys tell me, what 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 is the most recent thing that Baker Forge has been putting out lately? He's working on some wrought iron right now. I know yeah, that for a fact. And he took the day Friday to work on some crazy mosaic that he's doing. Like he had this wild idea, probably like you did woke up one morning and be like, I'm going to mosaic some feather pattern. That's just going to be fucking insane. But uh, yeah, it's always full of surprises. So, you know, keep your eyes on them for sure, because they got the gator piss as well too. You know, that was Mm -hmm. unexpectedly put out there. Eventually like, we're all struggling to get these nice etches. And there's like, I could fix that for you guys. So he gave us Gator Piss too. When uh, you go over to BakerForge.com, use promo code WFI10 for 10% off. All of the Damascus you're getting over there is well worth the bang for your buck, but you're getting another 10% off. So go ahead and use WFI10. And when you finish yeah. that knife, so and, you, um, you got your Baker Forge for the steel. You went to Maritime Knife Supply (laughs) for the handle materials and the tools, the consumables and everything you could possibly need. When you finish a blade, you don't just want to send it out there naked. You need to put some Pelican paste on that to really preserve it. The thing that I love about Pelican paste is that it's not just it's not just wax. It also has this really great citrus scent that just I mean, it's it's one of those little things 
that you don't know you need until you've used it. And ever since that, you just you just need to use it because it's a nice hard wax. It buffs really well. It gets a really great shine and it protects your blade. And if you go over to pelicanpaste.com, you can also there use WFI 10 for 10% off. Did I do yeah, a good enough good job code. on this? You did a great job yeah. on the read. Okay, so, thank you so you much did, for taking that off did. my plate. I was trying to get it into a different way of doing things today, like with the reads. That's why I said, where'd you get that steel? And then once you were going to be done with the steel that I was going to ask Brian House, I was like, whose forged doors were you working on yesterday? Oh, the, so I ruined yeah, it. Then he could, no, you did it. You didn't ruin nothing. <laughs> you did a great fucking job. It's just I had an intention and I, 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 I had a... I deceived myself. I should have just okay. not said anything. That's a, no, it was a great it was a great segue <laughs> into talking yeah. about our sponsors. And and by yeah. the way, I want to real quick bring up Ryan over at Gnome Hammer Forge. He subscribed to Pelican Pastes. Uh, you know, they have a subscription service. We'll just keep sending it to you because he's doing so much production work. Mm. And uh, the reason he's doing so much production work is because we sold out of the dog head hammers. We made a hundred of them in fifty two hours. The dogs we sold out. All- 100 hammers in 52 hours and so we appreciate everyone uh the patrons picked up about 35 of the hammers Mm. and then the rest of the hammers went to the public and uh, i gotta tell you it was quite a ride because it's it's weird when you sell that many of one thing you know, the, it's like the initial launch, you know, you get a bunch of sales right off the bat. The hardcore guys are all buying them and everything is great and everything. And then it kind of lulls and it slumps. And this shows you how important it is to keep posting social content. And, and because we can literally see it in real time, how many sales are related to the, you know, those posts, even though you think no one's looking at them or watching them or whatever, eventually they do uh bolster sales they make sales happen so uh we decided okay we're gonna make a few pieces of content steve kalb came to my shop just randomly wanted to show up and look at the hammer because he bought one he was like hey can i come by and just hold it i want to see it he said sure come on by and then as we're standing there i said you know i got like i think at the time i had like 30 left i said Mm. yeah we sold like 70 some hammers but i got 30 left and he goes Hey, let's make some content. Let's like like do something, you know. So we hammered out a um, a copper scoop. Um, I'm still working on the scoop uh, thing, by the way. And if we, I don't know if we're gonna have time to talk about that, but I got a question for the audience on that. Uh, and we hammered it out, and we did the whole thing, and then we launched it on Instagram. And Instagram didn't push it right away. I think it maybe got like two or three thousand views initially, and then it kind of sl- stalled. And then all of a sudden, maybe like later that night, I, I maybe like maybe five hours later, I started hearing cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching on my phone. I'm like, man, what the fuck is going on? And that reel had gone viral. So mm. it hit like 400,000 views <clears throat> in a, just a short period of time. And then, of course, all these people started seeing it. And I started seeing names in the order lists that I did not recognize and that was a good thing. And remember what we talked about with breaking the ice where we're every single thing that we're doing, if you see some post uh, our social content posted by us, we're trying to reverse engineer the experience for the person watching it and also trying to funnel them into going to the website, right? 
And I know that this can sound like, oh, he's just trying to sell us something. But yeah, that's kind of where we're at. You know, you want to you want people to see something, get inspired and want to purchase it. And that's, you know, what that reel did. You know, people saw us hammering out that copper scoop and went, fuck, I want that hundred bucks for a handmade hammer like that. Like, yeah, I want it. And then, of course, it created all kinds of controversy on YouTube because people were like, that's not handmade. You know, he's using a press and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, fuck off. Like, you know, (laughs) but it's great engagement. You know, it created this engagement and a buzz. And of course, by the end of the night, we had sold out. So uh, thank you to everyone who had contributed to that project. We are going to try to do that at least once a month where we we list a hammer. It's a lot of work for Ryan. It's a lot of work for us. And then after the first hundred are sold, then they're going to go into regular stock. They're going to be a stocked item. They just won't be at that price point. You know, they won't be a hundred bucks. We just can't do it for that. So you get a hundred dollar hammer. You have crowdfunded Ryan's production blacksmithing business, and you have helped us along the way. So thank you so much to everybody who did that. And real one thing I need to bring up before we end the show is that I want to want to get both of your opinions on this as well. And I need the opinion of the audience. So the scoop project has kind of hit the skids because we were trying to figure out how do we get people to do this project and you know the dishing of the scoop is hard and because i water jetted the holes it's important that that scoop be exactly like a two inch diameter so that would Mm -hmm. require them to have specific tooling that makes this happen let me ask you one question if i were to press out all of those scoops before i shipped them would that devalue the project I'm not going to hammer them out. Not going to texture them. I'm just going to simply make the shape. Here's no, not my, necessarily. Well, go here's ahead, my thought process on it. I feel like the product shouldn't be the scoop. The product should be the the ability to dish it out. Mm-hmm. So if you are like me, someone who wants to make ladles and scoops and spoons and stuff like that, I'm not focused on buying something to make a scoop i'm focused on buying a tool so that i can easily dish something out so i almost feel like the product should be the the swedge block or whatever you end up making and the it basically the spoon is the thing that you make first with it so you can learn that tool i see see the the thing is is it could be a diy project as well too so where you have yeah. to either, you know, make your own. No, I know I understand not everybody could make a dish, but there's uh, who did we say? Did we see take a ball bearing, heat it up and put it on a piece of wood? I think it was uh, Travis Haynes, was it? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, Travis. and they, they dished it out in a fucking stump, a burnt out stump. Like it used to be done hundreds and thousands of years ago. You know, so there's a way around things it's just people um what's the word i'm looking for they 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 need to think outside of the box if they want to take on a project like that you know so maybe what we'll do is we'll we'll press out half of them and then we'll leave the other half flat and we'll just see how that i myself personally would want a flat one and take the challenge of dishing it out and making it a scoop without you know your equipment that you have in your shop you know like yeah, and I accepted. also got a quote from my steel guys on just giving us a whole bunch of chunks of this bar steel cut down, and then we would make those mini swage blocks, you know? Yep. 
Yeah. And for everyone. So it would become kind of a forging project for us. And then we can make the swage blocks. And then on the other, the converse, we need to make the top tool as well. So mm-hmm. there's like all that that goes into it. And Brent and I are sitting there looking at it. And I'm like, I don't know if everybody's going to want to buy a swage. I don't know if everybody's going to want to buy the top tool. And then we kind of well, came those- up with this idea of, of doing that work, at least creating the shape of the scoop for the customer first and then giving them the blank handle, the rivets, and the, the mm. scoop. They can hammer it out, grind it out, do whatever they want at that point. To me, that kind of sure feels... Was... Oh, go sorry. Ahead. Go, Pickle. I was going to say, there's always you know guys like Derek uh, Melton out there that you maybe reach out to and uh, get some uh, connects for you know just a singular swedge block, which would be significantly cheaper than a full swedge block like he has. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We can make them, I think... Uh, like we could retail a dished uh, little two inch dish for around $30 shipped. I think we could do it for that. Totally Cause like the steel it. itself was like around 11 bucks or something, 12 bucks. And then you get the shipping. So like, you know, there's not a lot of margin in it, but I think, you know, it, it adds to the, the project. project. Yeah. yeah it, it completes the project. the project and you can make, a million scoops with that freaking thing. You right. know, it's yeah. like and not just that you'll one get scoop. more customers and maybe even a repeat customer. Cause buddy, who's going to buy that swage block is going to make a scoop for his aunt or his godmother or his mother or whatever, his grandfather. And then somebody else in the family is going to see it and be like, Oh, I want one too. Can you make me one? So what's he going to do? He's going to come back to your store. He's going to order another point. copper and another stem and rivets and, He's already got the dishing block. So these customers <laughs> that get the whole kit from the beginning have the intention of making more than one, most likely. My other thought to buy more than one right off the bat. So, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think like maybe making a whole kit. That was my initial thought was like make the dish, make the top tool or that at least my- like make it as a kit, like where they can assemble yeah. the whole thing because and then. Yeah, that- sell them the, the other parts to make the scoop itself and then you know like you the initial kit might be off. a little bit like ex- not expensive necessarily but might be a little bit more than one would be like well it's gonna cost me that much to make a fucking spoon i might as well just buy a spoon from someone you know there's people like that obviously too but right again, but if this is gonna be a product right? yeah it's a do-it-yourself product you know, it's yeah. make your own fucking spoon and if you want to start making spoons for other people because you made a spoon and people saw that, well, good for you, bud. Fucking make spoons. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. you, you did what you do best, Brian, is and is you inspire people to to make and do things. And you know, that that dishing swedge shouldn't even be a question. It should like I myself from the beginning, when you brought this project up, I saw a kit, a full kit right off the bat. Because I would yeah. buy the kit and I would make more than one spoon. Yeah. Okay. Me too. All right. Now, if you're listening to this and you have an opinion, send me a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Let me know because I'd like some other feedback on this because it's a significant investment in just the bar stock steel for me because I have to buy a whole stick and it's like fucking, I don't know, 25 feet of it or whatever. And it's heavy. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of steel. Um, And then um, I have to make uh, a top tool to make the dish in the CNC, which is another, you know, day or whatever to do that and then press them all out. And I think though, I think you guys are convincing me that the project 
itself as a kit to make something that they could sell. That's the end audience. It's not the guy yeah. who just wants to make one scoop. I think no, maybe that's a- where I was getting caught up because I'm like, yeah. you know, who the hell is going to spend, you know, a hundred bucks on a kit to like do this, this and this make and only one do scoop. one time. And it's a yeah. unitasker. But if you're a maker and you want something else to put on your website to sell, I mean, dude, if you add your hot stamp to the end of this scoop and you put these on your website, you can get easily get 60, 65 bucks a piece for these things. Oh, and yeah, your overall sure. cost is not going to be that much. And so, if you are interested in this project, go ahead and call or text Brian House get at the 23. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, Brian. You can call that any time of the day. You motherfucker. Happy to take your call. <laughs> but no, seriously, Brian. Like it's a, it's a, um, it's a market with more than one branch. If you want to say, like that yeah. coffee spoon thing, you could have the person that just wants to make one and make that one spoon from themselves and say, "I made a spoon," and then there's going to be that one person that has not the intention to make more than one spoon but that will end up making more than one spoon because they enjoyed what they did and somebody else saw what they were doing and wanted a spoon and then you're going to have that guy that's going to want to make spoons for everybody so you got anytime like i post there. anything about this coffee scoop it goes viral on instagram people watch now, i've been thinking it. about it making crazy. a spoon since you've been doing it and i just yeah. haven't had the time to do it but if i could order that kit and have it in front of me right now without having to make all my own tooling and whatever to get it done and figure it out. Yeah. I would jump the fucking horse on that a hundred miles an hour. And I would take the hour or two. It would take me to get that fucking spoon done, done, you know, like it would be done. But if I don't have all that kit, I ain't going to fucking do it. I'll be honest. I'm with you. It's a lot of work to make the tooling. And if we do it, if we do it in a production level, I think we can do it cheap enough to where it would make sense. Like I have so I've sourced the ball bearings. I've sourced all of that. So like I know that we could do it if I invest it would be a significant investment, thousands of dollars. But I think it would be a lifelong product for housemade where yeah. we would sell these kits. It would it'd be kind of like the revolution. It's just like a flagship yeah. product that we sell as yeah. kits. And, you know, these guys would come to us and go, hey, I want to do this. And like I have other ideas, too. I'd like to make kind of a rectangular scoop, more Ooh. like a scoop you would see. Like in a like if you went to like, say, uh, a, a, like in New York, right, when you would walk along these streets where people are selling like um, open bags of beans or something. And there's yep. those kinds of rectangular scoops. Yeah. You know, you could do all Feed kinds scoops. of dyes that make that kind of scoop for measuring people. scoops. Yeah. Measuring scoops, essentially. But like different. You shapes. could use you could make those we got good at it. Like- yeah, yeah yeah so all right well that's good feedback thank you so much and um real quick i want to hey. switch over to patron you got you got one more thing to say Pippa? yeah I, I wanted to ask you guys what's red and hard on your teeth what oh, red. a brick well, I'm, I'm thinking oh <laughs> i was thinking i was thinking i was thinking um <sighs> that's a that's pretty good i that reminds me of the uh what's black and white and red all over and that's a newspaper. <laughs> what's uh what's black and yellow and dangerous? Well, actually let, let me say that again. What's yellow and black and dangerous? What? Yellow and black and dangerous. I don't a know. A little a little chick with a machine gun. Like a chicken, you know. <laughs> I told my wife that she should embrace her mistakes and then she hugged me. <laughs> Ooh, 
She's still hurt. holding on. <laughs> She's still holding on. That one's from Jared Weaver. Uh, Appreciate you, Jared. And um, all right. So real quick, let's Patreon. switch over to, to a patron question. This one comes from Bobby over at Reaper Manufacturing. And his question is, what are your thoughts on accounts that do the whole, I'm making this insert product every day until insert celebrity orders from me gimmick. <laughs> what do you what do you guys think of that and we're going to answer that in the after show and if you want to be a part of the after show and listen in and get all the value you think you got a lot of value out of this show wait until you go into the patron side of things and listen to us there because you're going to pick up way more stuff on that end and it's only ten dollars and eighty cents a year that's right a year less than one dollar a month you can join up to our patron and become of that become a uh, insider into that world and then also you get put into the gnome hammer giveaway so ryan makes a hammer every month and then gives it away and if you're a patron you get automatically entered at no cost to you into that raffle so i think that's it fellas i think i'm 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 put a stick in me i'm done with this show and then we're going to move on we're going to answer bobby's question in the after show you guys have anything else you want to promote or talk about before we end this thing Titties. No, I think we're pretty good. Titties. <laughs> Again, Damn this is the, this is the argument. People are like, really, you're going to say titties at the end of the That's show? That's why and I then, said you know, it. It's just to and, piss and, those and, people off. And then you want me to go and spend money on your website, you know? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, I don't. You know say what to titties. Tell you. I ain't going to spend money on you because you say obscene words. Here is my argument for this. If <laughs> if. You can't take the fact that my generation, which is Gen X, by the way, is now we now have control for the most part. Gen uh, Boomer, the Boomer generation is still holding on pretty tight. But what I'm saying is, is our level of professionalism has changed quite a bit. We're bringing the reality to things more so. So I, I appreciate that, and I want more of that. I would rather not be duped into fucking buying something from somebody who's a huge piece of shit because he faked his <laughs> way into my wallet. I'm just saying. Mm. So, yeah, got uh, you, you at least know what you're getting with me. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I swear to you that I have done this so many times with people, and I think that they're they're the a real person or they're like a decent human. And I'm like, Oh, I want to work with that person. And they turn out to be totally fake. And you're like, man, how did I not see it? And then it makes you like, look at the world differently. It makes you sad for the world. At least, you know, with me, you're going to get titties and you're going to get the F word <laughs> and you're going to get a whole lot of great customer service and an awesome product. So there you go. Fuck Yeah. Y- yeah. All right. On to the, Amen. <laughs> let's do it. Let's go. Let's <laughs> go.